With 2015 coming to a close and 2016 right on our doorsteps, I thought I'd take some time to reflect on the expat's first year. Well, half year really. The show launched in June of 2015, and since that first episode where we visited Iris Diaz in Dubai, we've traveled to virtually every corner of the world, and we've barely scratched the surface. If making the expats actually involved flying to every single location and back to do these interviews, we'd have logged just over 267,000 kilometers flying out of Vancouver. And if we had to pay for every single one of those trips, even at their cheapest, we'd be looking at just over $16,000 Canadian in round-trip plane tickets. At that cost for flights, we would have spent a total of 326 hours traveling to our destinations, or about 13.58 days. The longest flight would have been to Dubai at about 39 hours. The most expensive flight would have been to Wagga Wagga, Australia at a cost of about 2,800 Canadian. The greatest distance from Vancouver would be to Cape Town at 32,866 kilometers. And man, we still have a lot more places to visit. And your support for the show has been nothing short of amazing. Each week, I receive emails from listeners who've recommended themselves or other expats for the show. We've had people tell us that we're among their favorite podcasts, and we've even had several one-degree-of-separation moments on the show. You'll recall I interviewed Anna Grimsrud, a Canadian living in Cape Town, South Africa. Well, it turns out her sister Elke, who lives near Calgary, Alberta, also listens to the show and had no idea Anna was on until she heard her sister's voice on our sixth episode. Pretty neat. Thank you so much to everyone who's recommended an expat, who shared the show with their friends, or who's listened to even one episode. The Expats continues to be a success because of you. We have much more planned for 2016, and in that spirit, I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. I hope 2016 is a banner year for you and yours. And now, on with the show. Los Angeles isn't just a city. It's a character in movies, it's a reference in dozens of songs, and for some, it's a way of life. Almost 4 million people live there, and a good fraction of that 4 million represents people who are trying to make it big. Actors, writers, television and filmmakers are all trying to eke out a living or become the next best thing if they aren't already. But I don't imagine modern-day Los Angeles is what Spanish settlers had in mind when they arrived in 1542. They probably also couldn't imagine that L.A. would grow to become the second largest city in the United States, or that it would be home to, say, nine major league professional sports teams. Two of those are hockey teams, by the way. There's the weather, the wines, the wildfires, and the winding freeways. There's a lot going on there. So join me as we chat with a Canadian making it big in comedy in the City of Angels on this episode of The Expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. 
Levi McDougall has been honing his craft in comedy and writing for years. His journey took him from Calgary to Toronto and now to Los Angeles, where he's worked in television for a number of years. I'm in LA now, yeah. I've been down here six years now. Um, yeah, six years I moved down from Toronto. So I was in Toronto for 10 years. And what was uh, it uh, ultimately that brought you to LA? Uh, I got a job writing for Dimitri Martin's sketch show on Comedy Central. Um, Nathan Fielder, who I was roommates with in Toronto, he and I were both hired separately. They, they didn't know that we knew each other. And uh, so we both ended up making the move down here together and then being roommates down here, which made it, which was nice. Was it uh, was it tough, challenging, scary to make the move from from Toronto to LA? Yeah, it, it was scary. It, it definitely helped having a job, knowing that I had a job to come to. Um, and then I had also I had visited a few times for stand up, so I'd been down here. Uh, I started the visa process actually thinking I would move to New York for for stand up when the job came up. So I already had kind of the wheels in motion. Um, and then moving down with a friend, I think also. Simplified. It was very similar to, I moved to Toronto from Calgary with three friends um, that I knew from the improv theater in Calgary, where I know John from, uh, our friend John. So, um, yeah, it wasn't as daunting as I, the, the potential move to New York I found more intimidating because I knew fewer people there, and it would have just been kind of diving in and trying to get stage time as opposed to at least having a few months on a job or you know, a year on a job to kind of find my feet. And you're not, I mean, the Dimitri Martin stuff, is that all over or like, what are you up to now? Yeah. So I was, I was there, uh, I just wrote on his show for a year. And then when that wrapped, I, uh, I toured with him. I opened for him on the road for a few years. And then now about six months ago, um, I started writing for Conan O'Brien's show down here. So, um, so the stand up comedy, uh, trying to make a go of that just in Canada, that wasn't a viable option. Uh, it wasn't for me. Um, no, I mean, even when I was doing it in Toronto, you're you're trying to write for you know the few projects that come up or um, acting, and you know there's commercial work. Like I, th- I think everyone, pretty much every comic I know, that they're, they're doing you know five or six different jobs just to kind of pull it together, uh, which isn't bad too. I don't think anyone. I didn't necessarily want to just be doing one thing. Like I liked. It's what I like about stand up that you can. You get to write and produce your own stuff. You can do short films with friends. Like it's a it's a great community there, um, but very often you just need to move for work. So I don't think it ever felt like I had to move out of Canada. Like as if it would be, um, I I didn't ever feel like it was an inevitability that I would, you know, spend a certain amount of time in Canada. And well, you just kind of go where the work is. So I think I always assumed that oh, I might pop over to the UK. I might pop over to the US. I'll return to Canada. Um, the idea of just kind of floating around and going where I could work with people whose work I liked, uh, was always appealing. Yeah. Was it easy to, after the Dimitri Martin show to find new work? I mean, you hear so often about people moving to LA with nothing, no, no prospects lined up necessarily. And the market there must be so saturated. saturated. Yeah. So what was it like? What was it like looking for a new job after that gig was up? Um, well, it was it was odd because it was kind of drawn out. We thought we might get another season of the show for about half a year. So we did a slow merge um, as we realized it may not be happening. Or, or I think all of us just preparing uh, for the worst and, and hoping we get another season. So when we didn't, 
I was right, and I was still going back and forth. I was still doing some acting and writing work in Canada, but and I th I think the nice thing of, after you you've been acting or doing stand up or writing for a while, you I think you wear down the nerves that that make you as anxious as you were in the beginning when there's no prospect of work because you just learn that it eventually pans out. Something will come along if you just keep keep looking, keep working at it, um, and so having the option of going to to do stand-up and then touring with Dimitri after the show wrapped um, helped. And then even while we were doing that, you know, I'm, I was submitting writing packets and, and auditioning for other projects. So you're you're always putting enough work out there and, and then preparing or planning for the next job that there's not as much time to. I've gotten better, I think, at, at busying myself so I'm not dwelling on just the worry of how I'll pay next, next month's rent. Now you mentioned the move to LA was uh, you did with a friend, uh, which made things a little bit easier. But w was there any kind of um, of culture shock when you arrived there, either just like wandering around or or doing your job? Yeah, I think um, the isolation is probably the biggest thing that popped out. Because one thing that I loved and loved most about Toronto is just the ability to to walk around and the social aspect of it that I really didn't give a lot of thought to when I lived there. I think coming down here and realizing how rare it is, even in the comedy community, that it's just not, people don't hang out after shows in the same way. You're just not running into people you know, because everyone has to, you know, drive an hour to get back home <laughs> uh, as opposed to just, you know, wandering, either walking home or, or grabbing a streetcar. And I think too, diving right into the job, we lived in uh, Culver City. So every day was just kind of Nathan and I driving into work and getting getting out at, you know, seven, eight, nine or later and then driving back home. So you just feel like you're living between these two buildings as opposed to immersed in a city or a culture. Um, I think it wasn't until the show wrapped and I, and I moved to West Hollywood that I, I started to realize that there could be, you know, there was a day-to-day -day life kind of around me. I think, too, not knowing how long the job is, I, I, and I had this in Toronto when I was there for 10 years, there's a hesitation to uh, to feel too embedded or, or to feel too much like, oh, this is my home now. I guess I set up and find my local grocer, butcher. What do I, I don't know if I have a grocery yet. But uh, yeah, it, it, I find it takes me a while to really feel settled anywhere because there's always the possibility that, you know, you, you could move at a moment's notice if, if, if there's another job. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, uh, traffic and and transit, and I mean Saturday Night Live has done sketches about dri freeway driving in Los Angeles. How much time are you spending in your car every day? <laughs> Probably it's about maybe thirty to forty minutes to get to work, and I'm lucky. Like right now, I work in Burbank, so I can avoid the freeways if I want, and I like driving. Um, I had a car, I grew up in Calgary, so I had a car from the age of 16 onward and, and liked having kind of old beaters that I could tinker with. And then uh, I'd never miss not having a car in Toronto, though. It was so nice just to, you know, transit and, and to be able to bike around. So getting back out here, I, I do like that I get to have a vehicle again, and, I, and I, I've, I've never had a, a need for speed, so I don't mind sitting in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. And uh, it helps, too, with the job. You know, we're writing topical jokes every day so i like to have a bit of time where i can just sit and listen to the news and and think and come up with stuff but it's uh it's long and i have a standard i have a manual vehicle so uh i've got calves of steel now from from just idling and 
and and uh, clutch in, clutch out on the, on all the hills in Burbank. But it's a, it's a lot of time you put in, and and I people that spend you know two hours in their car day and, and you know commute from Santa Monica and stuff that they, they either hear about I can't imagine. Like I mean, I guess that's where when I meet people who, who are listening to seven different podcasts and are up on every episode, like oh, that's where they they're just in their car all the time. So. <laughs> Yeah. the time to listen but. and there and there's no real public transit to speak of in in la not really i mean it's um when i've had friends stay with me they actually haven't had as bad a time like the subway it's not as readily available there's i think the buses aren't bad if you're just kind of doing a, a straight shot you know east to west or north to south but um it's certainly not like toronto or new york where you can learn the system and then just hop on and, and be there in 20, 30 minutes. Now, uh, how are, I mean, there are lots of Canadians working in Los Angeles, but, you know, in your experience, how are, how are we regarded? Is it, uh, is it in they this? They hate us. They, they fucking hate us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are Warmongers. Yeah. They, uh, no, uh, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, just, just in general, like how are are the Canadians received? Yeah, I mean, you, you like every every late night show does a sketch on how Canadians are these goofy, friendly idiots. Uh, but you know, what do they actually think of us? <laughs> I th- I think that is a big part of it that I, I I certainly enjoy. I don't mind it, but that there there's kind of a novelty to it that I think most other foreigners don't experience. I mean, it's obviously where it's so heated. Like, here in the U.S., no one's talking about putting a wall between Canada and the U.S. But um, there's, I've I found that people, um, I think because we don't have a noticeable accent, I think because we could be talking to someone for five minutes before something slips out that maybe tips them off that we're not from the U.S., they, I've had, and I had this with stand-up crowds too, that there's almost a suspicion or they feel slightly deceived <laughs> Because, like, as if we were, as if we were hiding it, and then, uh, and then you accidentally say, you know, grade three instead of third grade, and they're 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 questioning every everything you've been talking about for a second. But uh, but I think it's, and we've done a few um, Canadian bits on Conan, and the other writers have, have pitched stuff with me as a Canadian, and it is it's there's this curiosity. And I think also they don't, they know little about major defining characteristics, so it's it's easy to stretch the truth or, or create these like fantastical you know backgrounds of, because we're not I think to to other countries we're not as strongly defined as you know pretty much every other country. Like when you think of the stereotypes, it's I think what a lot of people know is still based on stereotypes they've been told are stereotypes like uh, i meet a lot of americans who know all the you know moose and maple syrup and beaver stuff from sctv not not uh not necessarily from like other like cultural influences or stuff that's come there what, what's your experience hanging out with other canadians i mean you're spending a lot of time at work and i imagine they're pretty long days is there a large expat community in la that you're part of there's a lot of time here yeah and uh I think that's well. That's where stand up and just the comedy community help because it's it's a band of, of kind of gypsies traveling around, and so we'll we'll run into each other more often, or or I'll have someone stay with me, or you know crash on my couch for a few weeks. Um, so it's usually 
stand-ups or other, you know, actors or improvisers um, that I know, but it's a, it's a big group, and, and especially from the Toronto scene, a lot of people that I was doing shows with regularly have migrated down here. Um, the Laugh Sabbath show, which, which we had been doing regularly, uh, weekly in Toronto, and, and is still running, was a group changing over the years, but of about 20 of us that uh, would run it. And so at any time, I think at least half of the people involved in the shows would come down here, either for just you know a week or two or to, or to move here for a year or two. So, so, so does that mean that, uh, do you miss home? And if so, what do you miss about Canada? I miss it all. I mean, I definitely miss the social aspect of Toronto the most. Um, the The few times I go back when I've had enough time to kind of go back for a week or two, I don't think I've ever had a day where I'm walking around on Queen Street or something where I don't run into someone I know. And that just, that never happens here. You know, maybe in, in my six years here, I've run into someone I know at Home Depot or Target <laughs> once, but you're just not passing people on the street that, um, that you grew up with. Um, and my family's in Calgary. I do miss, I miss the weather at times. What? I, I like jackets and pockets. And <laughs> so I just want it to be, I don't need snow all the time, but like an eternal autumn wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets, it's so hot here and uh, that I, I I carry around my jacket and my backpack all the time. And so when it does get colder, that's when I notice I'm like, oh, I'm built for, I, I prefer layers. But it's, I haven't missed um, like so many people that I know from Toronto visit so frequently that um, I don't get as homesick as I assumed I might. Yeah. How, how often do you, do you go back to Calgary or Toronto? I get back to Calgary uh, at least once or twice a year. I, I always go back for Christmas, and then if I can get out in the summer, uh, like go camping with my brothers and stuff, I will. And then Toronto used to be more regular. Um, I was going back for like, commercial work or like, little acting gigs more frequently when I first moved here, but now it's it's like once a year if I'm lucky. Um, and then I'll go up for the comedy stuff like I was in Montreal for Just for Laughs last year. So stuff like that can bring me back. You mentioned... Uh you mentioned coming back for for comedy. Are you do you are you more of an actor or more of a writer or some combination of the two? I definitely feel like more of a writer. Um, and even when I was doing acting gigs, it always felt like it was just to kind of connect the dots between stand up and writing work. Um, and now, like on the show, I'm I'm just writing and will will appear and stuff every now and then. But uh, that's like, that's what I've always liked about stand-up is that it's you can fill your your downtime with, with writing like i think I, I, I liked the mechanics of writing jokes more than the performance mm-hmm. aspect of it so i think for me it always came from writing but i think what i like about stand-up is you, you don't have to choose you get the option of 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 writing and performing as much as as much as you like and you kind of play with that balance yeah so. Yeah. Now, um, if you're spending a lot of time at work and, and at, at, say, stand-up clubs, um, maybe I already know the answer to this question, but if someone uh, if someone's coming to L.A. to hang out for a couple of weeks, what are some things that they absolutely must check out? Good question. This is something I'm not great at when people, because I try to think, I'm like, where have I, what's the stuff you should, like, other than Disneyland and, <laughs> and Target hikes, and Home Depot. Uh, Home Depot, Target, yeah. Um I think just like certain strips to to wander on. Like I I like West Hollywood a lot. Um, 
kind of going down Melrose. It's one thing I found with LA, it's a lot greener than I uh, had been led to believe. Cause I think it was still instilled in me just from like gritty eighties, you know, cop movies. It, it, just the idea of like the dirt and the smog was uh, laid on us so heavily. But um, like Griffith Park here, um, there's a, another writer I, uh, that we used to go hiking like every morning just to kind of start the day. And it's ridiculous to, to kind of get up there to climb these, you know, half mountains and, and to realize that you're in the middle of this city. But um, as much as you hear about Central Park, like I never, I, I never heard that side of LA until I got here. Yeah. Um, what else? There's a great uh, Gallery 1988 on Melrose. It's really good. Um, I'm, I'm slowly getting a, a list of uh, of restaurants to hit. Uh, Pink's Hot Dogs is uh, is a good landmark. LACMA is great. Like the museums and galleries here, uh, I really like. That was something that when I was touring with Dimitri, uh, we would kind of just get in the habit of seeking out um, kind of galleries and museums uh, in kind of the smaller and bigger cities. So I think when I came back here, I just had that habit formed. But um, what about the food truck scene there? Does LA oh, have a yeah. big food truck scene? Oh yeah, ridiculous. Um, and I, I think just recently, like within the last couple of years, it's really exploded, or it's or at least it's centralized. Like it's gotten easier to find strips where you can go where there's just twenty trucks in a row. Um, and I know Venice, I think has has that in like Abbot Kinney, and then uh, right across from LACMA, uh, not too far from me, they'll have a there's a row there on. I think Wilshire or Third Street, uh, where it'll be like ten to twenty trucks with, you know, um, from like lobster to Korean food to like burgers and fries. But it's uh, it's pretty yeah, it's it's great. And I I remember I think right when I was leaving Toronto is when they were having the debate over allowing different types of food vendors when it was just the hot dogs. And <laughs> looking back on how silly that debate like that, it's that you know there's a hundred different cuisines driving around yeah. LA it, it makes it so ridiculous that it was even a discussion yeah no kidding dang it are yeah, you the hot dog monopoly <laughs> that but yeah you got to watch out for the big hot dog lobby yeah yeah those fat cats now you got to skip over Rob Ford's uh mayorship in Toronto didn't you I guess I did I would I visited yeah and then um I think my relationship was more and hearing about it from American comics. And then, uh, and then as I was ramping up to put in my writing packet for Conan, they were doing regular uh, Rob Ford sketches and jokes. But most of my experience was, was either from Canadian news, you know, on Facebook from Canadian friends, or filtered through American comics and talk shows. Yeah. Now, was, yeah. It, was it weird to have, uh, I don't know, someone so much like Donald Trump being talked about so frequently in the United States for you. Yes. And, but, but I don't think it was odd to me in a way that it wasn't odd to the Americans. I think the thing that I found is that everything that was strange to Canadians about how un-Canadian he seemed, seemed just as odd to Americans because they do have, he's so not the picture of their, of, of how they imagine us to be. And so, the way that I would speak with friends or family about him, just, you know, shaking our heads about it, it was, was a similar tone to the way that, that I think most Americans would, would discuss it with me. <laughs> I bet. Any plans to live anywhere else in the United States, or is L.A. home for the foreseeable future? 
definitely, yeah, definitely for the foreseeable future now with the show. Um, I, I'd, I'd always imagined I would live in New York, and who knows, you know, down the road I, I may for work. And uh, and most of the writers I work with, because Conan started uh, the late show was in uh, late night was in New York, and so most of the writers are were New York based, and some have have then gone back and are writing for Colbert or, or just sought out. Um, New York shows because they miss it so much, but I I think LA has really grown on me, and uh, I like I like the car culture more than I thought. I got an older Volkswagen out here, and and I I like filling my time with that, and I I, I like the uh, that there's still this kind of Beach Boys nostalgia, and you know driving up the coast, and uh, and that it it's so it's so heavily trafficked with Canadians. Like I can, I can't just going to sit back and, w- and wait for people to come to me because there's such a desire to escape the cold <laughs> at times. But, uh, I definitely like to live, like I'd like to live in London and in New York at times, but I'm okay. Uh, waiting. Cause it, as much as I like traveling, I think the work has always been a priority or, or finding work that I click with. And, and right now where I, I couldn't enjoy my job more. I'm, I'm pretty good staying here as long as uh, as long as I can. And you know, you're not too far from Legoland. That's right. Yes, I haven't hit Legoland yet. Uh, have you been to Legoland? <laughs> I've never been to Legoland. No, me neither. Uh, <laughs> trying to save some stuff for maybe that's the, the next friend that visits. I don't know about you, but I feel like Legoland would be the first place I'd go the moment I landed at LAX. But then again, I am a man child. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. Hey, if you like this episode, do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Expats Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.